Hello, hello, hello. Hello, my friends. I'm thrilled that you have decided to uh, spend some time with me today. Welcome to Dear Matchmaker. Welcome to the show. I'm your host with the most matchmaker and dating coach and event put together extraordinaire, if that's even a thing. <laughs> Kat Cantrell, welcome to the show. I'm excited to bring another interview for all of you today. If you're brand new to the show, welcome. Welcome to my little home away from home. So my goal here at Dear Matchmaker is to provide you with insight and tools for your toolbox to bring them out, to help you become the most empowered dater, to help you fall in love with the idea of being in love again, to help you people again, and to ultimately really to help you bring solid connection and true love and to help you find your forever person. So welcome to the show. And as a little reminder, the show is brought to you by my agency, theheartagency.com, where we offer matchmaking, dating coaching, workshops, singles events, game show, game show. Okay. So let me, uh, before I go into today's interview, let me, I'm going to do a few announcements. The first is that, um, I have a game show coming up here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. No, you do not have to be here to be a part of it. Um, it's being held October 8th, 2022 at theater of Cedar Rapids. Um, but I'm looking for contestants and that means I'm looking for you. And I know I have a lot of listeners here in the Midwest. So if you are looking for the most fantastic, unique, once in a lifetime experience, I would highly encourage for you to apply to be a part of the casting call. I will make sure and put this in the show notes. I am doing a casting call for both men and women. I'm doing one on the 20th, August 20th for men. And you just sign up for a 20 minute time slot. If you cannot be here in person, you can sign up via Zoom. So just so you know, so August 20th for men and August 27th for women. If you are highly considering of wanting to find love with me as your matchmaker and as your guide and MC of game for love, which is a game show that I've created, I would love to have you there. I will make sure and put both of those links down below. So please make sure and apply. And if those times don't work for you and you're still interested in applying, will you reach out to me? We can set up a little quick 20 minute interview. It's super easy. So I highly encourage you if you're listening to this and you're considering it, I really want to give you the little nudge and, um, have you try out, have you come to the casting call for game for love? Uh, it's, I'm going to have a couple of our contestants actually here. I'm going to be doing an interview with them from our first original game for love, which was held in March of 2022. So stay tuned to that. I have so many amazing guests I'm bringing to all of you, um, in the next coming months, which leads me into today's guest. Oh my gosh, this woman, her energy. Um, she is just this beautiful soul and I'm so excited that she has decided to spend some time with us here at Dear Matchmaker. So here's a little bit more about our guest. Her name is Natasha McRae and she's a speaker, actress, director, and love and relationship coach who guides women into being the best versions of themselves so they can attract what their heart desires and design the life that they really want. And don't worry, gentlemen, if you are listening to the show, there are some little nuggets 
that are here for you. So you want to make sure and stay tuned. So Natasha, she's, she claims that she is a recovered love addict. Natasha has seen and experienced self-doubt a negative mindset and an overall imbalance in work and life that keeps women from reaching their greatest potential. Her mission in life is to encourage and empower women through all forms of media. She coaches women on how to promote themselves from love employee to love CEO via live events, online courses, and private coaching. Natasha is CEO and founder of Love CEO Institute. She has a degree in psychology from Grand Canyon University and lives in Los Angeles, California with her husband. Uh, her mission is for women to live fulfilling lives they don't need to escape from. We, she aims to build a world where stress, overwhelm, chaos, drama, and self-neglect are no longer the norm. She envisions for you a world of full of more pleasure, peace, joy, happiness, fun, and most importantly, love. And I'm so excited to have here to share her with all with you. So share her all with you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here we are. So ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Natasha McRae to Dear Matchmaker. <laughs> Natasha. Yes. Hello, gorgeous. I am hey, so darling. excited to have you here on Dear Matchmaker. <laughs> uh, you are such this beautiful light. Like the moment you hop on screen, it's just your energy, your, your smile, just your presence is... Um, it's breathtaking. So I'm super excited Thank to have you. you as a part of the show and to, um, tell us all about, uh, the work that you're doing. And we're going to talk about a different couple of different topics that you and I were discussing before I hit record, but before I dive into all of those, let's, let's introduce you. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Yes, I am the love CEO. No. <laughs> That's what people can call me. I, I'll be at events and women empowerment uh, places and they'll be like, love CEO. And I'm like, that's me. I'm here. So I have a, my story is multi-passionate and I'm a life coach. My main focus right now is really coaching women into designing the life that they want. And what we do is we connect them to their most authentic goals. Cause a lot, oftentimes we lose sight of that. We also awaken genuine confidence and you tap into that feminine power because there is a lot of strength in that feminine power. And with all those elements combined with self-love and self-care, we design the life that you want. Um, so we're eliminating that burnout, which I know a lot of multi-passionate women have. Um, I'm also a, a actress and a director and I'm launching a whiskey brand right now. So I am the epitome of multi-passionate <laughs> serial entrepreneur. Yes. <laughs> what? Okay. Before we go into all things relationship and love and dating and our favorite topics, what led you into whiskey? I'm just curious, like what led you into whiskey making? Wow. So you know, they always show us as women drinking wine. That's usually oh. what is what is seen, right? Yes. And one day I was having such a hard day and I went, I was going to a bar and my husband had gone up to the hotel room and I was like, I'm going to order something a little bit more than wine today. And I had a boss years ago, my background executive assistant to C-level executives, and he always had Glenn Livet in his, um, that is a, that's a scotch whiskey, squat, scotch 
Yeah, it's a scotch. But needless to say, I saw that on the menu and I ordered it mm. and I began to drink it. I was like, oh, I like this. And so that opened my eyes to whiskey. So then I stumbled upon the old fashioned and wherever I go in LA, I'm testing out the bar. Can they make an amazing old fashioned? Well, fast forward one day, I invite a friend to a late dinner celebrating doing my one woman show again. And she shows up and I had ordered an old fashioned and she literally jumped out of her seat. She's like, you like whiskey too? Oh my goodness, I can't believe it. And we began to talk and we're like, you know what? A lot of women never openly discuss that they like whiskey. And we said, because it's such a male dominated industry. Right. And I had been talking to my husband about, we should have a whiskey cigar, cigar lounge. And my friend told me at that moment that she had been thinking about starting a whiskey label. And I said, oh my goodness, me too. And then we said, well, why don't we do it together? And here we are. We are, our whiskey is by women, for women to be enjoyed by everyone. Oh my and gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And we're catering to the woman who loves whiskey. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that would be me. Yeah. I, um, I also go old fashioned is my go-to. Like I also yes. am like, do they, can they deliver, um, an excellent old fashioned. And I, um, for my birthday, my partner got me one of those old fashioned, um, from the seventies globes that open up into a bar, wow, like the real, like the beautiful. ones that spin and you yes. open it up and there's like a full bar inside. And so of course I have my bourbon and my whiskey in my oh, bar. So yeah, that's beautiful. So as soon as you release, um, please let me know. Cause I'm going to want, I want to, I want to buy one of your first bottles. So <laughs> yes. yeah, please let me know. Um, okay. So let's just, we'll just, we're just going to go and just dive right into it. Let's so let, it. Can, can you talk about, so when, when you and I had connected, um, we had talked to you, you had passionately talked about love intelligence. And I think that there is, um, we talk about emotional intelligence. We talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, different types of intelligence, but love intelligence, uh, the moment you said it, I was like, I, even myself as a matchmaker and, um, a dating coach myself, it's like, I wanted to know more about that. So do you, let's just start there. So where did the concept of love intelligence come from? And, um, how do you, how do you use it? as far as like your clients. Yeah, I'm a recovered love addict. So I've been obsessed with love since I was a child. And I did my one woman show called Evolution of a Love Addict. And out, out out of that came Love CEO Institute. And so over the years with coaching clients, with anything that I could research, I would about love, I would go in a hundred percent. So within five years of being in my business, I developed a method called love intelligence because I'm huge on personal development. I'm huge on psychology. I have a degree in that. And love intelligence is an array of characteristics and behaviors that show you compassion for oneself or others. And it's the ability to perceive understand, express, and receive love. And we're all born with love intelligence, but over Mm. the years, parents, teachers, bullies kind of beat it out of us. We tend to forget that we have it. Mm. And the main core pillars of love intelligence are self-awareness, self-compassion, empathy, expression, and receiving Those are the five core pillars of love intelligence. And when you can tap into that, 
then I truly believe your relationships, um, your relationship to even the word love. My, I was thinking about when I was younger, my brother hated the word love. Really? Yeah, he hated it. You would say love and he would run and cover his ears. Oh. I do not know where that came from. He hated it. And you would just tease him and try to chase him saying it. And then I became the love addict. That's so wild. But uh. when you, when you, when you understand that you are the generator, you are the keeper, then it's not something that you're looking or seeking outside of yourself. It's something that you are being and attracting. Um, and what every human being wants is to be loved, to be seen. Um, but you have to first see yourself. So you can use these this uh, these characteristics to see how you land. Where is your guide? Um, have you awakened or reawakened? Because I always tell my clients, it's not something that I'm um, showing you or giving you. I'm not the guru. It's something that I'm reigniting in you. You know, self-awareness. We have babies, right? Babies right. understand. I'm hungry. Babies have a major sense of self-awareness. Right. They know their hands. They know what they need. They know they're wet. Self-compassion. They give, they self-soothe. Babies self-soothe. That is a given empathy. They understand that they need these, 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 uh, needs fulfilled. Mm -hmm. We have needs and we kind of ignore them as adults. You know, I yes. don't know what that is. Expression. They're going to cry. They may not be able to have their words, use their words because they don't have them yet, but they, they cry. And then receiving a baby never turns away from receiving love and we become adults and we've had bad experiences right and we might struggle with pleasure anxiety or just have major trauma and we are pushing away from love right <laughs> but we all have we're born with it yes and it's it's um it kind of it reminds me so one of the things that i'm really passionate about is attachment theory and this is um mm. secure and avoidant and uh, anxious. And, uh, I have all of my clients take that test because yeah. having that awareness of just their, how they perceive and respond to intimacy, it can just, I mean, just them having that acknowledgement of, of that awareness of being like, oh my gosh, this is why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. And that sounds a lot like of, of what you're doing with, uh, these different pillars. And I think the one for me, honestly, that stands out is the receiving part. Yeah. Because I find it more and more that singles truly do struggle with receiving love because of their past, because of past trauma, because of their upbringing. And I think women, even though like, I feel that sometimes women do get in their own way as far as like self-sabotaging where they purposely are picking not, they don't realize it, but subconsciously they're yeah. picking potential partners that can't love them the way that they deserve to be loved. I did that. So it gives them confirmation. Yeah. So it gives them confirmation. Well, I'm not lovable or this is the type of lo love that I deserve is this type of, um, you know, this type of person in my life. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the receiving portion of what you do, how, how can how can you, or how do we, or what do you do really to help women start that process of receiving love? If yeah, maybe they've of, never felt it before. 
in their lives. Yeah. That really starts with the practice of self-love and people throw self-love and self-care out there without any instruction. And like, like everyone's just supposed to know what that looks like. Right. Right. And it's not that easy. And so what I do is I take clients through this, these pillars and get to a place of understanding. So how do you get to receiving? You get to receiving from uh, understanding where you are, what you need, um, doing the necessary tools, actions, new behaviors that get you to a place of having self-compassion. Um, then you begin to empathize with yourself and you start to express yourself. Now, expression for me and the way we do in my in my practice is, is really self-care. I mean, self-care is the expression of love. And nine times out of 10, if you're having a challenge receiving, you probably aren't giving it to yourself. Like you're having even a, a challenge receiving it when you are trying to give it to yourself. So taking breaks, do you take breaks for yourself or are you always overwhelmed? Has that become a habit? I mean, that's also an avoidance thing, but you know, right. that's <laughs> that we go, yes. go off on a tangent of that, but really practicing receiving from you receiving it from yourself, as well as like you said, when you become conscious of it, that's half the battle right? Deciding you're going to say yes. Mm. Just making that decision. If someone says, do you need help with those bags? Most of the time we say no, because we're holding them tight or we say no, because we think the person's going to want something from us, but say yes. So you go through a practice of saying yes. When people want, when people ask you, can they help you or can they do something for you as well as going through a practice of asking understanding how to ask, but I always start with self. Mm -hmm. Like if you ask yourself now, what do I need in this moment? It might be a glass of water. Are right. you ignoring that and not drinking water for four hours? Right. What do I need in this moment? It might be a nap. What do I need in this moment? Maybe just give yourself some grace because you were just beating yourself up about a conversation you just had 10 minutes ago. Right. Asking yourself, what do I need in this moment? Because then when you begin to practice that, then it becomes easier for you to open yourself up to that life, that feeling good, that receiving. Yeah. I always have a saying that we teach people how to treat us by how we treat yeah, ourselves. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Because it's so That's true. so true. We don't realize until we embrace ourselves enough. I think it's always a continuous journey of figuring out self-love. Oh yeah. Um, it changes and morphs over time. Um, mm -hmm. but to me, it's just, it's learning how to love yourself enough to know that you're lovable, to know that this is what love, you know, this is what love looks like to you. And also I think as women, you kind of touched on it we're constantly seeking and, um, not only are, especially for people pleasers, like we're always trying to help other people first. We put them before ourselves. Yeah. So understanding really like part of the work I do when I bring on clients is what are your needs as far as a relationship is concerned. Yeah. And a lot of the times they don't even know what that is. Like, I don't even know what my needs are in a relationship. And so that's when you take the additional step backwards and you're like, okay, what are the needs that you have for yourself? Yeah. 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 And that's where the self-awareness comes in and ask, you know, 
sometimes you may not know and it's okay. Give you, don't beat yourself up if you don't know in that moment. But right now, you right. could know in, t- in five minutes or 30 seconds, you could know more about your needs than you knew, you know, an hour ago because you asked the question, right. what do I need? Right. It's, it's all about self-awareness to even know that I need this in a relationship. I, I had this course about date like a boss. And the first thing I ask is what are your most amazing characteristics? Mm. And sometimes we get to a place and we're like, oh my gosh, well, what are my amazing, amazing characteristics? We kind of want to be humble. Screw humility. Totally. Yes. <laughs> the screw yes. humility in that moment. You need to know what am I bringing to this smorgasbord? What are my most amazing characteristics? And that goes to the self-awareness. And then you can say, oh, if I'm like this and I know I need that, right. like I knew for, for me, my amazing characteristics is I'm very like, I can be in an, in an environment and I show up very big in an environment. Yeah. And it also depends on my mood, but most of the time I show up really large in my environment. So I knew that I couldn't have someone who was intimidated by that. So I needed, so instead of me going to what I couldn't have, I went to, what do I need? I need someone who really likes to push me out in the limelight. Someone who likes to honor that gift in Mm me. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone who is going to be, maybe they might be a little more quiet than I am. Uh, because I got with someone who was really big and I found myself shrinking. Mm. So yeah. that didn't serve me. Right. So you see my husband now, that's that's one of his characteristics is he's like, oh yeah, go ahead, babe. Go over there. I'll be over here. No problem. He's, yeah. I, he does not make me, he doesn't make me want to be small. But it took you like, understanding, like you said, what are, what are your amazing characteristics? Like it took two divorces and a lot of therapy. (laughs) Let's just talk about it. (laughs) I'm not even going to front. I didn't just show up in that way. It's always a journey. (laughs) Right. Well, and I, cause I think there's a lot of reprogramming that's there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because we do take on, I used to do this talk about, about body positive body positivity about the stories that we have with our bodies. And I think that it, I can really apply that to anything. And when we are in, cause I'm divorced too. And, um, I know that when you leave a divorce, you feel a sense of lack, like you yes. failed or like you're all of these things. And sometimes there are things that are told to you. Like, I remember my ex-husband being like, nobody's going to date you. No one's going to date a woman with kids. Mm. Like these like really harmful things that we take on as our own identity, especially, Mm -hmm. I think women do this more than men. Um, you know, so they'll take, I'll take this on and go, gosh, well, since he said it, it, you know, cause we, we have the negative bias and we're always paying attention more so to the negative than we do the positive. And so, well, since he said that to me, it must be true. Yeah. And so take it on. Yeah. Do you find that you found that with, with your own experiences, with your relationships and just really like recognizing that negative bias and having to understand, like, what do you think? Okay. It's just, I'll just lead into this question. It's like, what do you think for you? What was that? What was that switch? Cause you're, cause you said, well, it took me two divorces and this and that to get to where I'm at. Like, so for you as a woman, what was that switch that made you go? 
okay, something has to change here for me. Yeah, I, after my second divorce, and then I was wiling out for, you know, several months, you know, when you, well, I don't know, I, I speak for myself. I don't know. No, about I see. Yep. Same, same. Yep. <laughs> yep. So you go through a divorce and you're like, <laughs> I need to prove to the world. I still got it or prove to myself, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So then totally. you're doing that and you're really not meeting people who have any longevity, whether they had the longevity or you were going to even let them have the longevity to be right. in your life. Right. Um, after I went through that six months, a friend of mine started going through divorce and she needed someone to somewhere to stay. So I let her stay with me. But she had said, hey, I was listening to this woman on the radio late at night and she has a facility, which is like an hour and a half away from Los Angeles, where they coach women into getting back in touch with themselves after divorce. Well, a lot of them after divorce, but it was general. So I said, sure, I'll go with you. And in that moment of going to, it was almost like group therapy. Mm. I went to that, sitting there in the room and understanding that I had sold myself short mm. and that I didn't know my value. Mm. And that life could be different and that I could have the deepest desires of my heart. Like I just grasped it. And I think that probably was led me to being a coach of knowing sometimes the belief that you have isn't enough because you don't have any. You might have to grasp that from, you know, a coach or even with you, uh, with matchmaking, you have a vision for your clients. They might need to have right on your belief. And so I was writing on the belief of this woman who had gone through traumatic experiences in her relationships and had come out on the other side and mm -hmm. was now a therapist who created these, I think it was about 13 lessons that you go and you touch on. And that was when I decided. So I decided to go through that. It was called Right Living. Um, she was in Newport Beach. And that was when I said, okay, no more, no yeah. freaking more. And I was depressed for a moment <laughs> because therapy going to hold a mirror up to your face if you let it. Right. The right therapist. And right. so I was depressed about, I could no longer look at the guys that I allowed in my life of being, oh, he's just a dog or a womanizer. I could no longer really only like blame them. I had to ask the question, why did I allow that dog mm -hmm. or that womanizer into this space? How did yes. they bust that my aura bubble? <laughs> right. How did that happen? What did I think I deserved? I mean, I know if y'all saw my one woman show, which some of you haven't, but my one woman show goes back to where all this started. Mm. And it was at 13 when my mom tells me I was complaining about a boyfriend whose family the mom was taking care of the mistress's child and oh the mistress gosh. was going to have another baby. So I'm like complaining, like, how could his mom blue, blah, blah, blah. I'm going off. And my mom just says, shut the door, honey. And I shut the door. She says, open that drawer over there. And there's an envelope, take it out. So I open the drawer, take out the envelope and I open it. It's a picture of two little boys. They were about three. They were identical in age. One was sitting on a wooden chair and the other was standing right next to him. They had plaid shirts on and little cowboy boots. And she said, those are your brothers. And they were not my mother's children. And my parents are still married. 
And at 16 or 15, that's when I made the decision that men were going to lie to me, Mm. that they weren't what they said they were, that I was completely blindsided and I never wanted to be blindsided again. So I would, so I ended up getting with the guys where it was kind of obvious that's where we were going. Nice guys had no chance with me because I was too afraid that I was going to be blindsided because my dad, this amazing father who came to all my track meets, who provided for his family, (laughs) who was analytical, who told me I could do anything in the world, who paid thousands of dollars for me to go to my track camp and work with a world-renowned trainer, had done these things to my mother. Oh my gosh. And so that's when I made that decision. So I can go back to when it all started. Yeah. Everybody might not have that opportunity, but you can do some soul searching, but I know where it started. And so I decided in those therapy sessions that no more, I had to heal that relationship with my dad. Um, We didn't have a horrible relationship. I just kind of secretly in my head, put it in my mind that this man wasn't you know wasn't shit really right (laughs) which you know so I healed that relationship talked about it my family you know we had I'm we talked with my brothers the brothers ended up coming to family functions you know but and that was all my doing as a 19 year old however I just had to make that decision that I want more and that I can have the more I want yeah I want more and I can have the more that I want yes Cause I always so thought that more was for everyone else. Right. Oh, she has it all. Mm. Mm. I'm not nice. cool enough. Yeah. Must, uh, yeah. It must be nice. I'm not cool enough or fashionable enough or, right. or trendy enough or hip, you know? Right. To have the love life you've always wanted. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe it's not that you, I don't, I think in those times it's, I don't think like, to go circle back to what we were talking about before. I think sometimes we don't really understand what we want. Yeah. We see, we we see relationships from the outside in and we Mm -hmm. go, Oh, Mm -hmm. this is kind of what I want, but not really having a deeper understanding of really what it is for you to have a successful, deep, meaningful relationship with somebody. Yeah. But that means you have to have a successful, deep meaningship, meaning relationship with yourself meaningful relationship with yourself let me say that again yeah <laughs> it means you have to have a deep meaningful relationship with yourself if you're going to have a deep meaningful relationship with someone else yes. you can have a relationship but is it going to be deep and meaningful if you're not deep and meaningful with yourself I, I I doubt it will be that deep and meaningful with someone else yeah because you'll anybody who like you you kind of said it like nice guys. Yeah. Secure guys. Mm-hmm. You'll just turn the other way. The moment yeah. they present themselves, you'll be like, what's wrong. There's no bells and whistles going off. He's showing up. He's telling me is what he thinks, how he feels. This is all odd. When is the other shoe going to drop? When is like, when is the whole thing going to blow up in my face? Mm-hmm. Like it's something that's literally there that's presenting itself. And if you don't see your own value, you won't even give that the time of day. Yeah. I never even gave them the green light. Yeah. You know, cause you see the nice guy, you know, he's a nice guy, but they might be a little bit more shy. They're not rolling up like Rico Suave, like, Hey, yo, no. 
And that's who I ended up, you know, dating, even if they were very eloquent, hey, yo's, (laughs) 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 you know, you didn't have to be street, but they could be very, you know, very, very alpha in your face, almost borderline toxic masculinity showing Mm -hmm. up. That's Mm -hmm. who I allowed because I was like, oh, I can see you a mile away. I know what I'm getting. I didn't consciously make that decision then, though. No. That was through therapy and writing my one woman show and probably mid through rehearsals of doing my one woman show where I was like, oh, snap, that was what was going on. Yeah. Oh. Wow. wow. I didn't want to be blindsided. So I chose what I could see a mile away. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And we have this, it's a false sense of control. Um, yes, false. We think that we can control. I mean, this is something that I still battle with, with my own anxiety, where it's trying to predict the future or preventing things from happening so that this doesn't happen. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I think when you date somebody who is unpredictable, it feeds into that anxiety and gives you more and more confirmation of, you know, that those thoughts and feelings that you have versus when you're dating somebody who's more secure, it's like, they hold that mirror up to where they're like, why are you doing this? And you're like, wait, what do you mean? (laughs) Yes. That's what happened in my marriage. When we started dating, it was so funny because we started dating and here I am like, I've evolved. I've gone to therapy. I read one woman's show about it. And so then we get into the relationship and there were certain things where I couldn't even point the finger at him. I know. Because I was like, oh, we have to just address this issue. But what it ha- what happens is it makes you, if you're with someone who's healthy, it facilitates an additional level of healing. 100%. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can say whatever in therapy and you can write all these things down and journal, but in real time, you know, it's like, what's happening when I actually am in the relationship? Right. I have to show up and be willing to be vulnerable, which can be a challenge for some, which is back to your feminine power, feminine energy is being vulnerable. You have to be vulnerable enough to say, oh, this isn't him. This is some stuff I need to deal with. Yeah. uh, I've had singles come into my office where they're like, I've done the therapy. I've done all the work. I'm fully healed. And I'm like, no, you're not. You need to practice. That's like saying I'm ready for That's the right. I'm ready for the earthquake because you had you had some earthquake drills. <laughs> or you're ready for the fire because you had fire drills. Right. Right. No, you I mean it's best, it's great to have the fire drills and the earthquake yes. drills yes. so you'll know what to do. Yes. But it's gonna be a little different when that fire is knocking on your front door. Just right. a little different. Right. You may be prepared. Right. But it's not a controlled environment like your journal or your therapist's office. Yes. (laughs) I, I had the same experience with, with my partner. I thought that I was, I was all healed. Everything was great. And then the moment, like the, the relationship started to progress, the more these things started popping up, these triggers started popping up inside of me and me going, wait a minute. I thought this was, what is this? And having to acknowledge Mm -hmm. that. But when you're with somebody who is healthy, who's secure, Mm -hmm you feel, you feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable enough with them 
to be able to share, okay, these are my thoughts. These are my feelings. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I would love to, you know, can we sit down? Can we talk about it? And and if you're in a healthy relationship, that person will be like, yes, absolutely. Let's chat about it. I think that's Um, beautiful. So you kind of touched on femininity going into the feminine and the masculine. And you and I were kind of talking about this prior to hitting record. Um, and it's part you, you touched on that. This is something that you're also passionate about is helping people kind of navigate through this. And in my previous work, um, I very much was focusing on women and embracing their femininity and, and bringing that out inside of them through dance. And, um, it's been interesting in the coaching with coaching women and, and helping them embrace that too. And I usually will do it and, and creativity seems to bring that out, um, the mm-hmm. feminine side of all of us. So you mentioned being vulnerable as being in touch with your femininity and, um, gosh, I just think that that's so true. So wait, so what else like in your, with your, in your opinion, like what else do you feel is, are some of the, of the more ways that as women, that we can get in touch with our feminine side to open ourselves up for more possibility and and true romance and love. Yeah. That self-care is something that really opens you up for that because it causes you to pause and we're all, we all, we all carry both feminine and masculine energy. And the idea is for them to harmonize. I wouldn't even say balance just for them to harmonize. Like I'm alpha, but put me in a room with a bunch of alphas. I'm going to let somebody else run the show most of the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, okay, we're good. Now if I'm somewhere and nobody's handling it, I'm like, yo, this is what we're doing. And da da da. (laughs) Yes. I really feel like you and I were literally in the heavens cut from the same. I think so too. When we, when we had our first conversation, I I was like, Oh, I told you, I felt like I was looking in a mirror. I know. And, and we're so opposite looking in the mirror. Yes. Yes. It be that way. Mirror. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Um, and so being still, the stillness, and I don't mean not having ambition, not doing anything, because that's right. blasphemous to say to a woman who's, you know, very ambitious, but making sure that you have moments of stillness and pause and rest so that you can be just in the beingness. I will never forget because I'm I can roll in my masculine man, that's muscle memory for me. Just I'm up in it. <laughs> and that doesn't help for my husband who, who's like kind of a balance. He's very in his feminine, but very masculine. Mas- his masculine masculinity is what attracted me to him. Cause he's not toxic. He just was like, I'm King. I don't have to fight to be King. I'm here and running the show. But I noticed that times when I'm heavily in masculine, he's, his masculine is not really showing up. And so we went to a course actually like a workshop. I call it a workshop because like two days and we flew to this workshop. And so we, they had the men and the women learning different things. And then you'd come together and practice some things. And I was like, I love this because you get to rest. So on the way home, because I'm the person who's carrying the itinerary when we travel, we get off the plane, probably two seconds foot off the plane. I know where the rental car place is. I know where the escalator to the rental car place is. I, I know everything. So I'm generally kind of in front of him. I have the itinerary. Well, this time I gave him the itinerary and let him do everything. And so I purposefully kind of stepped just half a step. You know, I didn't have to be like behind him, trailing behind him, but I right. half a step. And I saw where the rental car place was, but I didn't say it. 
I just let him figure it out. And I'm over here going crazy. Like, can you make the decision faster? Cause we need to get over there. But really playing those games with yourself of letting them lead. Yes. And, and you play the game of shut up and listen. <laughs> that's the way to describe it. The brain is shut up and listen. Or yeah. saying, well, what do you think? You know, letting them decide, not planning everything. So these are ways to practice and kind of move into that. Mm -hmm. But some of the signs that you're in that is that you, you know how to pause. You're probably leaning in your creativity. You're taking time for yourself. Um, you are not afraid to be vulnerable or you may be afraid, but you still are vulnerable. Right. Um, and you can, you can listen and be slow to respond. And when you're in your feminine, it's you turn into a queen. Queens aren't generally fighting to rule. Mm -hmm. They just rule. <laughs> right. In a their silence and people know how to treat them. I've had people complain about, oh, these people treated me this way and that way and the other. I'm like, they never treated me like that ever. And I think it's, and yes, I said ain't on your show. And yes, I think <laughs> every time I say ain't, I think I hear my auntie or my grandma, uh, somebody in the I school. Even, like to me, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. You were like, yeah, girl, they ain't yeah. doing that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's a beautiful space to be in and it yeah. gives you a chance to rest. Yes. I love when I'm in my feminine, because I get a chance to rest. I don't want to make another decision. I'm not saying being in your feminine, you don't make decisions, but I'm right. constantly that decision, decision, decision. And there's times where I tell my husband, I have decision fatigue. I'm not making any of the decisions. So you decide, right? I don't say it with an attitude. I say it very unapologetically. And guess what? He doesn't complain. He goes and does it. Right. I, or I'll say, Hey babe, you can step into your masculine with this. I'm going to rest over here and let you decide. It's not a, and there've been times where I was just like, oh my gosh, would you not have me make another decision? I'm just tired of making decisions. And that's even, I don't have to, I can just pause and say, no, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Or expressing your vulnerability. Right. I express that where I feel like I've been really in my, and I said this actually on Sunday, I feel like I've really been in my masculine a lot this week. So I would love for you to do that. And so that I can, you know, rest in my feminine. He got that. He said, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're right. You're right. That was his response. Mm. And then I look up and he's putting something on the grill. Dinner's right. I like just, yeah. You get what you want. You don't fight for getting what you want. You just get it. I know. I can yes. Yes. <laughs> you just get it. Oh my gosh. I, um, well, I feel like for, I don't, I don't talk about much about the masculine and feminine, but I do want to mention that I, in the world of dating women, um, who are consistently, um, chasing mm -hmm. men, unavailable men who are having to do this, this, um, cat and mouse game, you know, this constant oh, loop yeah. of her chasing him being aloof, 
giving her like little cues or clues, um, having to, you know, dissect every text Mm -hmm. message, wondering what does he really feel like this to me, the feminine energy is really, like you said, stepping back and letting Mm -hmm. the other person show their intention. If you're not creating any space for that, and you're the one who's consisting, you know, pushing and pushing, or you're the one who's doing the chasing and you're not Mm -hmm. allowing the other person to show up. Of course, you're, of course you're wondering what their intentions are Yeah, because you're not leaving any space. Yeah. You don't know. Allow them to allow them to show up. And so you're, Mm -hmm. you're, since you're not creating any space, you're filling in the gaps yourself. And at the end, I really feel like when you're not embracing your feminine and you're just in this constant loop, it always ends in disappointment, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. And I think it goes back to having that faith, knowing what you deserve. Um, how the, the, my response to women, and this is for women who are cis heterosexual women, there are 3.3 billion men in this world. And if you are not cis or heterosexual, you got even more choices. That's right. Let's just put that out there. Yes. It's so du- true. Let's double that. Let's double that. And that number may have gone up recently. Right. But it's it's really having the faith and understanding that what you want is is waiting for you. Yeah. And you don't have to settle and you don't have to take Mm-mm. the first thing that comes your path. And I think that, no. you know, a, a lot of especially older women, they really feel Mm -hmm. that there's not much of a selection. I mean, this is the experience that I have here, that there isn't much of a selection for them out there that the older that Mm -hmm. they get, the less uh, attractive they are or the less appealing they are. But I find that more and more that there are also men out there who are also seeking a partner that they're not looking for. Yeah, they are. I mean, there are, I mean, there are some men out there that are looking for eye candy, looking for something to walk around with and show off. But I I just feel- at the end of the day that really people are searching for love. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I just spoke to a group of men, older men who were complaining about that, that whole, I can't be young girl. Yes. And it was a group of them. And I was just like, mouth dropped. Yeah. Yeah. They said, we want a mature woman, but then they, they really started opening up to me because I was just listening and being ultra feminine and say, tell me more. That's right. And they were saying about the belief system, like they want the older woman, but they don't want the mindset of the jaded mindset and not saying every older woman has that, but we have more experiences. So when you have more experiences, sometimes you carry those experiences with you as a current reality. Now, I don't consider them reality. I consider them things that may have happened to you in the past. So that goes back to what we had mentioned before about the healing so that you aren't looking at the older guy. Like I know women who will see an older guy and be like, "Mm, he probably wants them younger girls. And that "Mm, he probably wants some younger girls creates such an energy around you. Oh, yeah. That this person doesn't even know what it is, doesn't know what you're thinking, but it does not say come hither. Talk to me. Right. (laughs) Whatever. It just doesn't say that. Right. And, um, I find too, I mean, this is probably, we could do a whole entire different episode about this, but I feel too, that older women, they're not, especially when it comes to online dating, they're lying about their age. They're lying Mm. about like all of these, they're lying about themselves. And that too, is also putting out an energy that 
you being like, it goes back to self-love and self, like really embracing who you are, embracing your age, embracing everything that you bring to the table. If you're lying about that and you're hiding behind some kind of mask or something else, you're not going to find love because you're not, to me, that's a deterrent because you're not showing up authentically, truly yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about older women is they have such a plethora of, of life experiences and it's like fine wine. I think that there's a beauty in that. And there is a beauty in the the lines around the eyes. Uh, There's also a beauty in how your lower stomach may not be as flat. It's something beautifully womanly about that, that I've discovered in speaking to men and listening to them that they are interested in, in that and to be able to embrace it and not compare yourself to your 25 year old self. Yeah. You know, that's something that I had to start doing. I was like, you are not 25. Now you can still be, you know, fine wine at 49, but you are not 25. Stop it. (laughs) And because when you do that, then you start second guessing yourself. And I think back to what are your most amazing characteristics, your, your age and the things that you've gone through are such a beautiful, um, asset. And I think if they lean into that or we, I'll say we, cause you know, I'm 49, a woman of a certain age, um, we can, we can embrace it. And people like to be around folks who embrace stuff. Like people who are unapologetic about their age or their experiences or, and that's usually healing because you're not hiding it. Right. Um, people like to be around that because it's truth and it gives them permission to live in truth. I was just going to tell, I was just going to say that. And it gives them permission. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think that's a beautiful place to be. If you are out in the dating world or considering being in the dating world. Right. I think a lot of people are so intimidated and afraid because they're, you know, a lot of, I was just, um, I just had a lunch and there was a woman that was sitting next to me who was married for 25 years and now she um, is freshly divorced and she's like, I am petrified to put myself out there. And that's why I think that the work that you're doing and the work that I'm doing is so important to help yeah. and give people that permission and to help them see their true greatness and mm-hmm. what are their most, you know, amazing characteristics about themselves yeah. and helping yeah. them understand that. And even maybe truly that the love that they're seeking is really the love that they need to have for themselves first. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would encourage that too. Yeah, we can. I would encourage that woman to focus on living her best life. Yes. And that includes having love and if the focus is not putting herself out there the focus is i'm living my best life and therefore she becomes a magnet to her deepest desires yes and i think that when we are living our best life that's when we learn so much about ourselves in a very mm-hmm. short amount of time and learn more about what it is that we seek as far as like having this additional puzzle piece Cause yeah. like, you know, it's, it's not that this person completes you, you know, your mm-hmm. person doesn't complete you. It's not like this person, um, is your better half, like all these sayings that people say, yeah. it's just a person that you decide to share your life with, and they're deciding to share their life with you and you enhance 
one another's lives. And in yeah. order to do that, you have to be living your best life. Yeah. It's like ordering dessert at a nice restaurant. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I'm so happy that we had this opportunity where you came onto the show and I to have this conversation. I can't believe, um, it's almost already been an hour. Oh my goodness. I know. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Natasha, will you share a little bit like for my audience, where can they, and of course I'll put all this in the show notes, but where is, where can they find you? Where are you hanging out? I'm hanging out at the Love, Love CEO Institute. So you can find me at loveceoinstitute.com or natashamccrae.com. That's M-C-C-R-E-A. But Love CEO Institute is a community that I built so that we could really stay in touch with ourselves, um, be reminded of our self-care and tap into that feminine power. It's a membership community through an app on your phone and I love it. And it's a fun place to be. So I invite everyone to come over there. They get a week free so they can try it out even better. Yeah. And, um, so when we first met, we were talking about affirmations. Do you want to share with our audience? What is your favorite? I know you share this as a, as a part of your private group, but what is, what are your, what are a few of your favorite affirmations? Hmm. One of my favorite affirmations is I was doubting myself. I went through this phase during the pandemic of doubting my business and doubting the message that I was putting out there. And so an affirmation that carried me through is my message touches the minds and the hearts of the women who need it the most. Mm. And I'll say that right before I get ready to go live, because I might, I'm doubting myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, what yeah. am I going to say? Am I going to say it all right? Do I have all my bullet points right? Oh, who's going to listen? I don't know. Three people listening. I don't know. You know, so I have all that, but I'm my, the message, my message touches the minds, hearts, and ears of those who need it the most is something that I've definitely carried with me. Um, another message is, I believe it's James 1, 4, which is let patience have her perfect work so that I will be in want of nothing. Yeah. yeah. That part. Cause That's I'm good. impatient. I'm impatient, Polly. <laughs> my timeline, my timeline. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No one else yeah. is mine. Yeah. Let patience have her perfect work mm. so that I will be in want of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Those are two that, that really are helpful. Also, I am safe because I also deal with anxiety. Yes. Um, I am safe in this moment. I am safe is one that can get you through some things um and has helped me and I'll say that if I feel like I'm catching my I'm like like the right the right before the anxiousness where you're like oh I'm catching my breath or I was holding my breath right um yeah I have a stack of them that I just go through in my chair in my office they're sitting on my <laughs> yeah they're my my faves I mean affirmations really affirmations and mantras, which that's a whole nother story, which the two, what they mean and what are they, but just affirming what it is that you want, but also sometimes you can use them as the breath underneath your breath. Yeah. And that's where the one that I am safe, I am safe in this moment. I am safe, mm -hmm. you know, just having that and kind of infusing it in throughout your body, the same way the air goes into your body and oxygenates those cells. If you're sending that phrase, I am safe in this moment, I am safe to go into your body and oxygenate those, those cells. Mm -hmm. 
then you'll feel safe. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Well, we'll just end. There we go. We'll just episode on that. <laughs> well, thank you again. It's so wonderful having you. And thank I'm going to so have much. you back. I feel like uh, we could make several episodes. I um, think we could. Based <laughs> off of what we talked about today. But thank you again for coming on the show. It's so wonderful of course. to have you. So thank you. Thank you. Bye, everyone. All right, my friend. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. And as always, I will make sure and put all of Natasha's beautiful, uh, all of her links and such down in the show notes. If you want to check her out, I highly encourage for you to check her out. And as always, if you are here and you have listened and you've made it all the way through, thank you so much. Will you do me a solid? <laughs> Do you mind rating and review this episode? Because this is how other singles can find us. So we want to make sure and spread the news about Dear Matchmaker. So please help me help others, help them have empowered lives. So if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, I would love it if you would go ahead and give me a little five-star rating and a review. And of course, for social media, come and follow me. Cat Cantrell, either on Facebook and Instagram. And as always, if you want help, if you want to uh, allow me an opportunity to help you find the love that you so truly deserve, please check me out at the, so www.theheartagency.com. All right, my friend, thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, true love is waiting for you and I will see you next time. Bye.